0: What's up? Welcome to episode forty of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I'm your host Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host Matthew Aguilar. What up? And despite all the trigger warnings, we dig deep into the bench <laughs> to bring back the most triggered guy in ComicBook.com, Charlie Ridgley's here with that us. That Can't be true. Uh, I feel like I always hear very, you guys yelling. I mean, it in is here. very true. That that we need a whole podcast to just to like unravel this. But uh, I don't say that in a bad way because you're a passionate, you're a passionate man. Yeah, you, and, you, and you like what I get you like. Excited about
1: stuff, and exactly. that's what
0: we need on this podcast. Uh, the people love passionate people, so we brought you on today because Charlie Ridgely is going to help us break down the new film Men in Black International, which he saw and reviewed for us. Okay. But we got a lot of other stuff to talk about too. We've had some, uh, big, a big trailer drop in the form of uh, a Stephen King trailer, movie trailer, the new one that's come out that we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about some uh, TV updates that are coming for series that have been announced or some series that are going to be making a return that we're very excited about. And because we got to live up to the name of this show every so often, Matthew Aguilar is going to take us through what is big in comics this week. What? What? And there are some big things. So we got to get to all of that, and we're going to start at the top of the show by jumping into a little bit of horror, because we have some, <laughs> some horror, <What>? uh, some <laughs> because we have a little bit I don't, bit I don't talk like about.
2: that. At, <laughs> some, at some point, you need to get Joe Blackman to say horror to you, and- Oh,
0: God, how will,
1: does he, Oh, yeah, because it, it, it doesn't sound anything like the word horror, horror. at all. It's horror. 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 It's all all one syllable. i prefer for
0: horror, because, uh, yeah. But (laughs) on the horror front, there is one king, and it is Mr. Stephen King. And we are getting a sequel to one of his most iconic and famous stories ever, The Shining. Um, I don't know how well people keep up with uh, Stephen King stuff, but there was a book sequel released to The Shining that Stephen King released a few years back, and it was called Dr. Sleep. And now Dr. Sleep is a movie. And that movie stars Ewan McGregor as the grown-up version of Danny Torrance, the little boy from The Shining who had The Shining. And today we got a first look at what this movie is going to be like. And it's safe to say it's kind of a very different... If you're expecting, like, The Shining Part 2, it's not quite that at at all. But it is interesting in the sense that this movie, since the trailer has come out, there's been a lot of chatter. And this movie essentially functions as... Both an adaptation of King's *Doctor Sleep* novel, which was a sequel to his *Shining* novel, which was a very different thing than the movie that Stanley Kubrick made mm-hmm. adapting Stephen King's uh, *Shining* book, which famously they weren't weren't didn't see eye to eye about uh, the *Shining* film adaptation. But *Doctor Sleep*, the movie, is apparently going to straddle the line and be both an adaptation of King's kind of pure *Shining* world source material. And function as a sequel to the Kubrick version of the film, which is something that is made very clear in this first trailer from a lot of the visual cues that they actually, uh, director Mike Flanagan, who you know from like Oculus or more recently The Haunting of Hill House, is doing this film. And he had a lot of uh, recreations of the Overlook Hotel from The Shining, from Kubrick's version of The Shining. Um, a lot of the imagery that is so famous from that film is recreated here. We got some musical, yeah, we got musical cues. Uh, I think that's your word for musical cues, but we had musical cues and like so. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting thing. And it basically the premise is that the Hugh McGregor is grown up Danny. He's kind of had all the traumas and problems that go with his gift of the Shining, plus all of his experiences, especially like the Overlook Hotel. And he kind of comes in contact with a young girl who has the most most powerful kind of version of the shining of these psychic powers that he's seen yet. But the twist is there's also this roving band of like what look like essentially gypsy kind of shining vampire people led by (laughs) Rebecca Ferguson um, who basically find people with a shining and feed on their powers and of course, now this girl's looking like a real great snack, and it's kind of up to Danny to protect her, but he's a damaged hero. so and that's kind of what we get. And um, it was an interesting trailer. I think it, it, the first trailer plays on like what Mike Flanagan's strength is, which is this kind of line between supernatural and psychological horror, which is what he's very good at. Um, Oculus was very much his breakout film, which he made out, out of one of his short films, is very much about that. And of course, Haunting of Hill House was very much about that. It was a mix of kind of like families in psychological drama and supernatural horror. So we get that kind of taste of what that's going to be like in this trailer. There's a lot of shots of, like, Danny having a conversation with some entity or whatever this wall is. There's a lot of weird Stephen King things yeah. in here. Like, he has, like, a message board going with a wall of a, that may <laughs> or may not be a supernatural presence that says stuff to him. And then, you know, the red rum comes back from The Shining and all that. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, it's very, very interesting. A very interesting first trailer. A lot of great imagery. We're going to get you guys' thoughts but um my whole thing from takeaway from this is like if people are really expecting to jump in back into the shining, like this is gonna be a little bit jarring for those types. Yeah, like, you kinda gotta go into this with the open mind of getting something truly new yeah. that just kind of has this connective thread to the shining. So like almost like Castle Rock in a way or something like that. I mean, that's kinda how I felt watching the trailer because I think and it's weird
3: too. I actually prefer the first half of the trailer to the second half, but you could say the second half is more uh homages the movie more in the second half the music flows and some of the imagery so that's the one i expected to like but i actually liked the first half better just because i thought that was just a better trailer i thought that stuff was more interesting and then once we start getting into the the typical things you would expect it kind of was like meh like it's so it's weird so i'm actually looking forward to it for the new stuff as opposed to just returning back to that world i mean that's definitely what I'll check out.
1: And see, I've, I feel almost the complete opposite of what you're saying, Kobe. Because I didn't, I didn't expect this to tie into Kubrick Shining at all. I didn't pay a ton of attention to like the, the the pre-production and like kind of like the making of this movie as it was going along. But I assumed because it was an adaptation of Stephen King's book that it would have nothing to do with. Kubrick's version of The Shining, it would just be kind of a standalone movie about the events of Danny Torrance long after The Shining. It might explain some things, and obviously watching The Shining helped. But you know, uh, King famously does not like what happened in Kubrick's Shining, and so then to see the imagery and like the actual recreated scenes from the original movie in this was crazy because I didn't expect because it at even all. Stephen King
2: end. likes money.
1: He does. He does right. like <laughs> money. At um, some point, I guess he had but, to. You know, hey, I, like, <laughs> I really. I was really surprised to see that and I was really glad to see that. And like, I love how they've kind of turned it and, and taken the story and kind of molded it to the original while still making it an original uh, from Stephen King and like the fact that it, Stephen King had to give his permission before they did it. It it's a really a really unique situation that I didn't expect to see or to kind of find myself in going. Yeah.
0: In. I mean, he's gotta be getting used to the changes. I mean, it is making some big changes mm-hmm. to his source material and he understands like yeah, the success of these things on a mainstream movie level is going to be much different and he can't hold on to this. But it also seems like he's had to acknowledge in the time that, you know, despite his best efforts to, like, put out that crap miniseries, like, in the 90s or whatever.
1: Yeah, of, of The Shining.
0: Of The Shining, yeah. like, yeah, like. The this Kubrick,
3: is the accepted. Yeah,
0: the Kubrick version is the version. Yeah, and like,
3: right. Not Do... only
0: that, but, like, one of the best known Stephen King horror you know, pieces, pieces of horror. I mean, it,
1: it, it's there. probably the, the, it's one of the pinnacle, like most well-known horror films, period. And so yeah. it's gotta be one of, if not his top, like talked about known yeah, exactly. adaptation. So.
2: Could, could this movie swing, uh, the, the tide back and give Stephen King adaptations a winning percentage? Or do we think, I mean, I think that's already happened. Seen, has it outside of yeah. it? I mean, are, you, are, you was, are you talking about, about box office dollars? No, just, or I just, just mean like critical, sort of critical acclaim. Castle Rock was very middle of the road. There were a lot of people who hated it. A lot of people, I liked it. Yeah, but I think like the only like true wins that Stephen King has gotten are is it both the old one and the new one, and The Shining.
0: Well, I mean, but The Head Cemetery got, is a, a cult favorite, I mean, but it wasn't. He like, had, I mean, he had a string of cult hits in the '80s and '90s. All those movies: The Langoliers, Sleepwalkers. I mean, even things like Lawnmower Man, like, mm. you know, all that stuff. I mean, he had a running. As low-budget horror, like, he was doing right. all right. I mean, big blockbuster horror hits. So far, it's still It. Pet Cemetery I mean, was Carey kind of is still, I mean,
1: um, Carrie's not a blockbuster, but Carrie is one of the, like, the pinnacles. Yeah, Carrie's a Carey very is iconic a one. one like um,
0: Cujo, like, yeah, yeah, I mean. So, I mean, for New Age horror, I mean, like, yeah, It has been It. Carrie, the remake, didn't do so well. Um, Pet Cemetery remake was kind of lukewarm, but I think that had a lot to do with the fact that Pet Cemetery is just a oh, weird, weird <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. try to adapt. Hollywood keeps thinking it's a good idea because of the premise. Mm-hmm. Like people coming back from the dead, but it it's actually a very weird story. And I think we did we talked about this when we reviewed it. Like this was a good pet cemetery. The production was there, yeah. the horror was there, mm-hmm. all that's there. It's just still you watch it and you're like, Man, this is freaking weird.
1: Yeah. Like but that's the other thing, is is you look at like, okay, Doctor Sleep could initiate this like critical wave, but the Stephen King wave is already like we are so far into it because of what it did, because it I think was that catalyst to do so many things. We don't know if they're gonna be good or bad, but I mean I almost once a month maybe we write up something about how a new King work is being adapted so to TV or to film. And so in the next five years, we're gonna have, I mean, Dozens have, upon dozens of Stephen have, King adaptations. what,
2: the um, Dark Tower thing is still
0: coming. Yeah. Stand is in the works. Stand is still in the works. I mean, work.
1: and then every, every like, novella he's done that has been, like, lesser known is going, like, already yeah. has a thing because Hollywood they, they want thinks, Stephen King's it, name.
0: I mean, I mean, the work has already been done. Hollywood already thinks Stephen King is, like, a hot brand again. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. I mean, he's going to keep collecting his money. Um, but I think Dr. Doctor, Doctor Sleep is smart to go with the Kubrick ties because that's going to attract Have you guys the read the book?
2: Did you read the book? Of The Shining? Dr. Sleep, no, Sleep. No. Sleep. Sleep is No, Dr. Sleep. I've read Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep is actually, it's great. So that's one, like, I'm super excited for I it. I hate
0: Stephen King, so no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I like Stephen King. I've heard really mixed things about Dr. Sleep from, from big Shining fans. Like, mm-hmm. I know people are kind of like, some people really love it, and some people kind of like fall fell off on it. But that's, I think that's to be expected almost any time you have something so beloved like The Shining, yeah. and a yeah. sequel comes in all that time later, like. It's rare that you're going to get something yeah. He didn't that, that ruin it. So I
0: mean, well. he didn't ruin it. So, like, there is potential here. Yeah, so right. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be – the things that will draw people in will be the kind of – the ties to Kubrick's film. But I think there is enough substance to the book. And I trust people like Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, yeah. And dude from uh, – the uh, Native American dude from Westworld who plays like oh, her hunchman. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. his name off the top of my head, but he's in it. He's her henchman. And that whole kind of, I think they have good enough villains in this to really kind of make it interesting. The
1: the little girl from Hill House is in there, too, and she's really talented. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, they got a lot of talent going in this. And Mike Flanagan is, like, one of the three kind of horror directors that came up with, like, Andy Muschietti and David F. Sanders. They all kind of jumped from making these indies that they Mm. made. made. Andy Muschietti made Mama. Uh, David F. Sanders made Lights Out and Mike Flanagan made Oculus Oculus, in these shorts that became successful big budget horror films. And I trust him to make this jump. I mean, Hill House was really good. I mean, he did,
1: Flanagan did, just like uh, David F. Sandberg did, like jumped and did a sequel to a a Blumhouse movie that was way better than the original. Sandberg did Annabelle Comes Home, or not Comes Home, um, Uh, Annabelle Annabelle Creation. Creation, And and then Flanagan Flanagan did did, uh, The Ouija. Origin of Evil. Which which which, was way better than the first one. Yeah, we were just
0: talking about Ouija Origin of Evil because we were talking about the Magic Eight Ball movie that's coming out. And I was saying, like, Ouija Origin of Evil is like the only one of those toy-based horror yeah, games, really toy-based horror movies that actually and a lot of that had to do enjoyed. with Flanagan. Yeah, Flanagan uh, and little Lulu Wilson, who was also in Annabelle and Ouija, <laughs> yeah. too. So, like, yeah. So I trust this guy. And um, I trust there's enough rich material in King's book to make it interesting and enough kind of of his knowledge of the Kubrick film to really kind of make that connection solid. So I, I'm I'm kind of optimistic about this one. Nice.
1: Yeah, It's a little wild that it's coming, like, what, two months after It Chapter 2? Yeah. Like, right in that window, we're getting both of these movies back to back, and it's... Yeah.
0: We're going it, to have... Which will either work gonna out gonna really lot. well for Steady it. Stephen King's sat- oversaturation. saturation like, Or people the, will compare yeah, if, it if, if to It. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if it, it does really well, that's it, really good news for, for Dr. Sleeve, which I don't think that it's going to do poorly. at the no, I don't see it's it doing
0: crush poorly it. either. So, all right, moving right along, we're going to move over into the kind of animated slash anime side to talk about the first of three TV show announcements that were kind of uh, notable that kind of stuck out to us this week, and that is that The Boondocks is coming back. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago because it You've was been on that Boondocks beat? Yeah, we were on that Boondocks beat. I'm always on that Boondocks beat. But uh, we got word from John Witherspoon, who star Friday and is the voice of Grandpa in the Boondocks, that it was coming back. He was just kind of offhandedly making a remark while talking to Joe Rogan. And everybody scrambled. We were like, well, what the hell does that mean? Like, you know, and everybody yeah. was going into it. Are we finally getting Boondocks season five? We talked to the producers here at comicbook.com because uh, they have a new show called Sugar and Toys Out. And we asked Carl Jones and Brian Ash, and they gave us a kind of non-answer answer that uh, kind of showed that, yeah, they were involved in something with the boondocks, but they wouldn't say anything specific. Now, this week, we are getting the official information that the series isn't going to season five. It is getting a full kind of, quote-unquote, reimagining or reboot launch, and that series creator Aaron Magruder is back, and he's involved into helping to bring this back. Um, he stepped out of season four of the show, which they've just produced without him, and it was uh, obviously, like, the most hated and well deserved for the hate like because, lackluster yeah. season of the show someone that important, yeah leaves and it's yeah very somebody hard. whos has you know who is the DNA of this entire <laughs> thing just like leaves um but it it is time and and Magruder hasn't this isn't just on the t v side Magruder, if you haven 't been paying attention has been it's funny because he's like not down, you could tell he's so not down with like social media. So he's been, like, dropping new Boondocks con- cartoons through, like, famous people's Just accounts. Just
3: it to people. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, Charlemagne the God radio personality. Mm. Charlemagne, like, he's been giving him, like, hey, here's a new strip. And Charlemagne puts it out on his Instagram. But um, if you look at the hashtag <laughs> Boondocks is Boondocks Back, you can find a lot of these strips. And uh, it's Magruder basically reacting to, to modern times in the era that we're in. We're in such a different place now. Uh, it's funny because the boondocks started as like the cartoon – I mean the strip has been around forever, but the cartoon really caught on as kind of skewering the Bush era and a lot of stuff that was going on in pop culture in, during the Bush era. Um, it didn't pull any punches when it got into the Obama era and – And then it went away yeah, and
3: before, and
0: then before Trump, this. Yeah, before Trump <laughs> happened, the boondocks went away and it's been quiet on that front and now Magruder's back and he has plenty to say about – Everything from, you know, Donald Trump and the realities of his presidency to the Mueller report and all that to everything with the controversies that were kind of like Me Too and Time's Up and things going on with like uh, pop culture figures like the R. Kelly and Michael Jackson debates about who these men were and what do we do with their music. There's a hilarious one where grandpa's like... Turning off the R. Kelly songs, like, I'm not listening to this anymore. He's like, I'm going back to good music. And he turns up Thriller and he's like dancing again and like cheering, which is its own like little social commentary. Uh. So all of this is on the table and you know it's gonna be back. And I am so hyped because. I think these days and times need the boondocks. So oh, it's I'm perfect hyped for, for this.
3: It's like any time when, uh, like during the off season, when you know, like last week tonight, or even like SNL go off air for yeah. a couple months, and all this stuff happens, and you're like, dude, I wish it was still here yeah. so I could see what they're gonna say.
0: Yeah. about that. Bill always has to do deal with that. Like every time he goes off for a season, he's like, he does like a fake headlines yeah. of things I think will happen by the time. And like this is we're like off.
3: perfect. Like we've been. Oh my god, this would be amazing, an amazing. To see what they say about that climate, and so yeah, I'm down. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you haven't read our interview with Carl Jones and Brian Ash, because they give us one of the funniest answers. As I just asked them, like, would Riley Freeman be down with Donald Trump? And their answer is hilarious and spot on for like how Riley Freeman would react to Donald Trump and like being president. And it's just in like it just makes me want this so bad. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, Charlie. I mean, I, I you know I, I'm not as big of a fan as you are.
1: I think uh, because I was I was a little bit younger. Um, when it was going on and I wasn't paying attention to it, but I've watched episodes here and there and it was, I always loved how it could be so politically driven and also really hilarious. Like like that was other than South Park, one of the first, the only times I saw that. And I think today's age is so great for that to have a counter to South Park, not to be in opposition to it, but to kind of work as a compliment and to have a very different perspective, um, than the guys that make South Park have yeah, uh, to a, come at it with it with a much a much broader, more down to earth like approach to making fun of what's happening in our world, and, and I think that there has not been a better time to have a show like The Boondocks than there is now. Yeah, I think it's nice to have some nuance that
3: Boondocks yeah. has yeah. that South Park, which I love South Park's
0: riffing on stuff. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes there
3: is a little bit of a. A subtlety that's missing. Yeah, the Boondocks
0: kind of has a voice where South Park is just like, and the South Park guys are kind of going through this right now, this depression, because they they feel like, oh, we've been like totally nihilistic or something like that. Yeah. And now that hasn't worked out for society, whereas the Boondocks is a little bit more. Just a little, yeah. Social commentary and stuff. So, yeah. So we're all hyped. Moving on to something we might not be as hyped for. We're hearing that a Fast and Furious animated series is getting made. Uh, Fast and Furious, Spy Racers, like, yeah. (laughs) That's so
1: gross. (laughs) I kept writing Speed Racers when I was, like, writing the articles, but it's, in my mind, wouldn't register, like, no, it's actually called Spy racers. Racers.
0: Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Looking through this trailer again right now, like, yeah. It's not great. They don't. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not um, even not
3: great. It's so forgettable. It's Netflix, literally a. Who cares? Right.
0: So Netflix is getting in on the Fast and Furious franchise with Spy Racers, and this trailer doesn't tell us anything. No. Like it's just two souped-up cars racing through like the aqueducts of Los Angeles, and it doesn't tell us anything about like what spying would be. Involved also, the in
1: style's this. so boring. I mean, it's the exact same style. But it's the same thing they're doing with DreamWorks Animation. That is big partnership. They're doing the same thing with Jurassic World. Make a Jurassic World spinoff series. It's animated. It's going to be on Netflix. It's yeah. geared more toward you know young yeah. teenagers, it's and that's exactly what we're doing with with uh, with Fast and Furious. And no. it's just the it's fact just that, that it's missing style. Now, I do like
0: teenage that, character yes.
1: Tony Toretto. I do like that they're linking it
0: younger cousin of Vin Diesel's Dominic there, it, it's, Toretto, Matt. It's
1: the same
3: story.
0: I know <laughs> I did look literally. I'm he's to gonna say, to Tony,
1: positive Dominic to say. Toretto's my cousin, and that's the only thing you're gonna see. And then he's gonna get roped into a government situation. <laughs> yep. <It's>, the synopsis <laughs> says know. he's gonna get roped yep, in yep. <laughs> to a government agent that wants him to infiltrate race car drivers. It's like he is, he has the Toretto name, but he's playing <laughs> the Brian character. And that's. I'm not saying he's
0: going to be good. No, I mean, that is a perfect thing. It is like, let's just lump Brian and and Dom into one character. One character. character. Yeah. I know. know, No, I'm disappointed. Like, I was. When we first.
3: Like, uh, when I saw the headline, I was like, oh, yeah, that could be great. And then I watched it and read
0: the Why would you like, think that could be great? I don't know. Maybe.
3: You don't know? <laughs> I mean, just. I love the Fast and Furious franchise. Of, I mean,
0: as I wrote in the show notes for this, like, this thing has become a damn cartoon anyway. Yeah. So, like, you. I you, mean. Give me. Some kind of cool if, action. If, if, if me like, it's a total satire
1: of the the franchise and you're no. making a show that's, like, it's funny and, like self-aware about what's happening.
0: That's awesome. Doing what they do in the films in more believable fashion because it's animation. Give me the cast of of the movies,
3: have them voicing their characters, do ridiculous stuff and have it in a fun, energetic visual style. And I'd watch that. But
1: that has none of the personality, but I won't. And the thing is that you're, we're reading into this because it's our jobs, but no one's going to do that. It's on Netflix. So it's free to most people. You're going to, Oh, fast and furious. My kid likes that, and then Netflix makes money. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. And they, they well, spend we, almost nothing well, we on it. know the
0: business side of it. <laughs> like, that's what we're saying ridiculous. is gross. Like, we know the business side it's of it. It's just a bummer. It's like your franchise is stalling a little bit. What do you do? You throw it. They
1: have like a spinoff series for every DreamWorks franchise on Netflix. Yeah. Like, you trolls, like, trolls. Trolls. Yeah. How to train Your Dragon, Puss in Boots, um, Boss Baby. Has a like four well, different Boss Baby, series I get, on there because
0: that's I mean that's a good series. Canada, <laughs> <Four. idea. laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I mean, but that's a good idea. No, seriously, because the Boss Baby thing is like a, it's like a I like the movie. It's a sitcom scenario movie. you can go back to over and over again.
1: I love the yeah. movie, the, yeah. the actual I, movie. I mean, it makes sense with taking an animated property, and making it look similar. They're just starting to now do it with live action properties the exact same way, and I think that's what's like. Oh wait, this is different, and it, uh, it kind of changes things and makes you think more about, like, what are they actually Look, I doing? I mean,
0: they it. can do – I'm going to try – I always try to be even-sided and say if I'm going to go negative, also go positive, like, on things. So the one thing I can say is, like, yeah, in animation we could get some really sick action racing – Sequences like I tried
3: to go positive, but Charlie blew a hole in all my positive arguments.
0: (laughs) So I hope that's what I'm here for. That's why I'm here. Great CGI, like animated action, uh, like racing sequences. I mean, that's all I can think of. And they better get one hell of a kid to play this do, uh, this
3: because he's going to have yeah, to carry the
0: Tony, <laughs> Tony Toretto. They better get one hell of a voice actor because he's gonna have his work cut I'm out They're just gonna
1: do the baby Groot thing with Vin Diesel. Can he's get, gonna voice it. They're gonna just alter it in post.
3: Oh my god Can I get gosh. Kevin Hart? I just um no, voice stop. Snowball. No, stop, stop, I want Snowball in Fast and Furious. Please. Stop
0: What's uh, wrong with you? What so, is wrong with you, you? You kinda
3: want it don't you? No,
1: I don't. Panda. We're getting John Cena in Fast and Furious and that's, that's awesome. Panda,
0: Good. That's stop. That's it. That's all I need <laughs> Let's talk about something else that's coming to live action. Uh. So, Krypton is back for season two. Uh, One of the Dark Horse hits of last year, in my opinion, Krypton, I didn't hear so much chatter about it, but it was like one of the better comic book TV shows to come out of the last few years, in my opinion. Um, Just what they do with the Superman mythos and the kind of way they spun that. It has a great cast of actors that do really good jobs and yeah some good production values for for this dc live action dc stuff so season two is now back after a big kind of cliffhanger from season one and one of the biggest selling points for season two and all the trailers has been the fact that they're bringing in lobo uh dc's you know big bounty hunter and now lobo's already kind of set up to get his own spinoff series over at sci-fi which i'm Kind of happy about because I've been waiting for Lobo to to do something in live action DC for a lot of years since we've been reporting on this movie for like ten years. Um, <laughs> the Michael is Bay Lobo still movie still in development with Michael Bay. I don't know, but I think you know I always get nervous, especially now right now on something like sci-fi that they're putting the cart before the horse because like let's get through sci like a couple episodes of Krypton. Let's let this Lobo yeah. character kind of gel. Let's let the actor who's uh, playing him, Emmett uh, Scanlon, who's from Constantine, like, let's let him get some fan, like, some fan cred, some street yeah. cred under him. And then you announce me in Lobo Series because I feel like this is almost like the opposite of Swamp Thing right now. Like... Swamp Thing yeah. got canceled right after I started getting into that, and like and it just got here, and it's like Krypton just got here. Now you're telling me to get signed up for Lobo. Well, sci-fi. You also took away Happy, and you also took <laughs> away Deadly Class. Sci-fi so takes like, away everything. Yeah, it takes away everything. So like it's hard for me to even think this headline could last <laughs> until this show actually. Because it's not like
3: the CW where you have faith that they'll keep it around for a while. You, yeah. Because like Batwoman had that, right? We didn't even see her yet, and they're like, "Well, she's probably already getting her own series yeah. and we're yeah. gonna develop it." But we know they'll stick with something. Yeah. Well, it hasn't launched.
1: I'm, I'm already gonna like I can guarantee yeah. it's gonna run at least four. But months, sci-fi doesn't
3: have that kind of cred.
1: Yeah,
0: no, far, and, not and, and that's the stuff problem around.
1: because they make great stuff. Yes. Like, like I mean, it, it's the I, I, like, total yeah, opposite sci-fi of what CW's freaks doing.
0: me out in the sense that, like, I feel like Krypton's going to run if season two doesn't pick up, like, in three weeks, we're going to be hearing. So, uh, Krypton's getting the yeah. axe. What about that low? What? Yeah. What about that low? What? I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, what every you're talking single year,
1: about. I, w- I was looking through the, the shows, like the original shows from sci fi, and I could count on three fingers, like, the ones that have made it past three, three and a half years on the air. Yeah. Like Battlestar Galactica yep. was on sci-fi. That that's really only one of note. Like every other great show that people have loved on what sci-fi the, uh, is gone. Uh magicians went for four,
0: right? Four. Yeah.
1: Four, I think. So that was one of the other ones. Maybe maybe five. Something I could be wrong right. about Magicians. Magicians was, was one of the got, longer ones. Got a yeah, life the show, but like when an ERP is still in limbo after season three. Okay. Or season two. Um oh, and then you got like All the ones that people love went away. Deadly Class, Happy. um, Did people love Deadly Class? Channel Zero, and people talked about Deadly Class. Channel Zero, um... The Expanse, the Expanse was like the most celebrated show they've ever had, <laughs> yeah. critically, and then they, they axed that after three years, and the Amazon picked it up. It's everything on Sci-Fi I get excited they about because divert, they have good ideas, but, they but they then to divert just,
3: that money. The Sharknado, it just man.
1: goes, Aww. it just goes away. That,
3: that's the franchise that keeps the Sharknado Van, TV, Van TV series.
0: I think made it to four. Yeah, oh, man, Sharknado keeps that keeps Sci-Fi
1: going. Four. Okay, all right. You so so far we've named three. Yeah, like I said, three fingers and Sharknado.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's uh, a movie series. Oh,
1: man. Make a Chardonnay or TV series. I don't care. So Ian I mean, Ziring will do it. He needs stuff to do. But, Swamp Thing's canceled.
0: The other thing about this Lobo thing is it's hard for me to feel like sci-fi will, will be able to sustain this because this feels like a series where you have to go to a lot of, like, unless there's something about the series that they're doing, like, where Lobo's just wandering around Earth the whole time, which sounds like Inhumans all over again. <laughs> like, it's it sounds like high production costs. Mm-hmm. You need the makeup Krypton's for got some pretty high production costs, though. Yeah, I, yeah and I don't think Krypton's going to be around you, two like, years from like now. Only two of those people need really? makeup yeah, as opposed it's not to true. putting your makeup character, slathering from? him in makeup the whole time. Plus, he's got to go around to all these weird places in the universe, yeah, and like alien bars He's basically and stuff. just like
2: rolled around in baby powder. And with, like, I think yeah. Krypton has a shot. But, but, like, Krypton has a shot if it moves somewhere else.
0: Yeah, and trying to create all these kinds of like aliens and alien locales that Lobo would have to be doing jobs in seems like way too high of a cost. For this kind of show. Just make him
3: a bar owner. He just
0: owns a bar. Never leaves the bar. Yeah, like, he never leaves the bar. Everybody comes to him. That's his whole thing. I don't have to battle him on Everybody, all everybody the, comes to me.
3: All the fight scenes are like the ending scene of Glass. and
0: They're just out in the parking lot. It's going to be like, <laughs> on sci-fi, I feel like, I'm scared that it'll be like Lobo spending a season wandering Earth looking for his bike. Like, get off of Earth. And, and in like, the finale, yeah. they're like, he finally gets to yeah. ride it. And he, like, the last shot of him zooming towards the sky. That one
3: season of Smallville all over yeah, again. Exactly. So you only get so, one doomsday punch.
0: I mean, I want to believe in this, and I want to believe we can get the violent, because I remember when they started making Lobo, like, adult-themed comics, yeah, uh, and they started being things I couldn't look at in comic store. They had to be on the top row with a paper over the front of them. Like that's where I really got into that guy, and I was like, "Whoa, what?" You know, steel. I like Lobo,
3: but I, I'm going to be honest. The most, like, the most, the biggest Lobo moment that sticks out in my head is when the DC Marvel series came out and he went up against Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, like the, he's, honestly he's, the biggest thing. He's the, the riff off of Wolverine. The yeah, best the guy that's I
0: think purpose. of is um, what's his name, Brad Garrett from like Everybody Loves Raymond, <laughs> doing him in like the animated world and like. In him in Superman, the animated series, yeah. or Justice League. Like, those are my biggest, fondest I memories forgot. of Lobo. I, I can't Orson.
1: think of Lobo without thinking of Roman Reigns because the he looks, he looks just like him in and every armor? way. And, like, the hair and the facial hair. And, like, when I first was, I was, like, writing freelance here, I wrote a thing about how Roman Reigns should be Lobo and, like, That was one of the first big things I did. And I always like, it always associates now. And I can't like see them apart. Now, every time I see Roman Reigns, I'm gonna think, You are welcome. He's breaking into Hollywood now. This can be his Black Adam. We can see that movie in like 15 years. All right. It'll be great.
0: We're still getting way ahead of ourselves. So, (laughs) sum this all up Lobo, we wanna believe in you, but. We, I mean, we also are practical betters, so we don't just, like, throw our money on the roulette table haphazardly. So True. I don't have a lot of faith that this will make it and sustain it. But prove me wrong. We will, we will see a season. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. If Krypton falls, like, I don't see this Actually, getting continued because what is it spinning off from? Oh, yeah, series? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so all right, moving right along, we got to live up to the name of this show and talk about some comics. Yeah, so let me Matthew r- Aguilar is going to take us through what's hot in comics this week. I'm gonna roll through these pretty quick here. Um,
3: so, uh, first, just a thing of note, uh, you can actually see some of the behind, like the after credits of absolute carnage scenes, those are starting to roll out. Every week in certain books, so just keep your eyes out for those because that's all going to be
2: kind of like the Wolverine ones. Were. There's also variant covers on them too this time, which is new. yeah, like, which is like the little carnage. Yeah, like on, you actually uh, see the effect. Venom and Symbiote Spider-Man. Yeah, some covers have just the plain white logo, and some have like a bit of carnage Symbiote attached to it, which so is pretty cool.
3: It's, it's pretty cool, especially if you I mean if you're a variant hunter. I'm waiting for the diecast cutout cover something, because those are the ones I like. Uh, we also have Amazing Spider-Man 23, which uh, Hunted ended in the last issue, but this is the epilogue. And in this one, actually, two pretty big things happen. By the way, spoilers uh, going into this week's books, but uh, they should be fine. Now you should have read it. So uh, we've got a new Craven because his son, because Craven actually died again. Yeah, you said in, that last time. In the event. But his son now takes over, like, officially, and even, like, cuts his hair and wears the old costume. Like, he is now taking the spot of Kraven. But then we also get Chameleon returning as well. So if you haven't been reading the series, it looks like like they are really, this event kind of matters going forward. So I would definitely try and catch up if you can. Uh, Major X number five, uh, Kofi's reaction to this news, by the way. I remember I said this in the office and your reaction was amazing. I can't. <laughs> when I said that, uh, they reveal who Alexander, who he is the son of, which is Cable and Storm. And I remember I said that, and you were like, you just shook your head and, like, made <laughs> a It
0: sounds... Yeah, yeah. It hard. sounds like some Rob Liefeld stuff. <laughs> like. so
2: it, it's, a, it's a perfectly... It's, it's an X-Men thing. It is a thing that you just expect X-Men to do. It's true. No, not really. Well, are you I kidding me? Oh, I mean, so are we expecting
3: really? X-Men to do yeah. bad things? It's not the
2: weirdest
0: no, combination I've seen. It's not a weird combination. combination it's just like, Why? Like, yeah, I mean it just opens up it gives me a headache because I know I have like ten more years of storytelling about cable and storm now. I'll <laughs> just gives and, me like, head- is Storm
1: not a Black Panther anymore? When did that when did that and Not happen like,
0: happened, and it like and for me, the original only
2: yeah,
1: the pure only some comics because <laughs> Storm is all in Wakanda yeah, in, me, in like, the Shuri comic and, and stuff. And even
0: then, like, I didn't buy it. It felt like that episode of South Park where they just tried to get like Token to get with the one black girl in school. Like, it just didn't feel like natural. It's like, wouldn't it be great <laughs> if this African character in his African oh, character oh I'm together? sorry, you mean like
1: Michonne in Walking the Walking Dead comic
0: through the whole thing? Uh. Yeah. And it basically, and, every, yep. and it basically, because to me, the purest Storm relationship is always going to be with with Forge. I do love Like, Storm that and Forge so is, like, much. the best. Like, that stuff is awesome. That was, like, a real relationship okay, so that now, somebody that So loved. now we
2: know really why Kofi yeah, is Because <laughs> he just for ship Storm and Forge.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, so. heavily. I mean, because Chris Claremont, like, put a lot of work into <laughs> making, like, these yeah. cool moments and stories, and just, like her making out with, like, Forge making it rain and they're standing dead. Like, that That's kind of stuff moment. is, like, it's awesome. Forge
2: gets no respect these days. Forge does not no. get any he, respect. No, and Forge needs Zero to come respect.
0: back and kick some X-Men ass, personally. <laughs> he should be, like, the
3: secret villain of, like, a major So, story, man, yeah. I will make sure to keep an eye out for when that like, inevitable Forge number one <laughs> comes out I just out wanted there. to be,
0: like, unmasked as, like, this awesome villain that everybody loves, and it turns out it's just Forge, the maker. That'd be, like, awesome. So,
3: so move have... it right along for my hurt feelings. <laughs> we also have Detective Comics 1005, which is the finale to the Arkham Knight arc. Uh, and then we've also got Event Leviathan, which is kind of the next big DC event kind of spinning out of Action Comics. Uh, it's bendis which I and... did not like. You didn't like that? No. Oh man, I love oh, event? Bendis on Batman.
0: I don't like that name. What is Event
1: Leviathan? I, yeah, I can't so, even like I I when I get a comic I should be able to tell you like, oh, this is what this comic's like the character is going to be about.
3: Well,
2: it's not really an, it's it's in a like more an event miniseries spinning out of the stuff that Why'd Bendis you put event in the title?
3: And it, it's stupid. It's called like Leviathan. The title However, what I will say is,
0: Event War of the Realms number this, 1. well, no, this but it's particular... not it's
2: Event Leviathan is the is the name of the event that's happening in the books. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it sounds bad. That's but weird. I don't the like it. cool part
3: about this is it focuses on like it's just Batman, Lois, Green Arrow, and then they tease the question. The Green Arrow, the Green Arrow moment was a was surprise. Awesome, yeah. Uh, You're naming then, all the
1: characters I don't. That but I, I those
3: characters – like Bendis, writes them as a group really well. Like it. Yeah. It'll have to win a lot of people over. So it's not the easiest book to just Bendis jump in. Bendis we
0: trust is what you're basically telling me.
3: Uh, this is the Bendis book. This, I wanted a Bendis Batman book more than I ever wanted him on Superman. Mm-hmm. So I, I,
2: to see him write Batman is great for me. My That's biggest issue is when it was, it was a bit muddy. Like you it get is. That, that Alex Maleev mud. It's a little, Yeah. I, so I do like the like artwork? The, the yeah. Artwork. Yeah. I do
3: like to see Bendis with other artists and I know he has like three I mean, I that love, he always wants to work with.
2: I love mean I love that like his the stuff that they did on Daredevil was great. Um stuff they did on Moon Knight I thought it was a lot of fun. Spider yeah. Woman was great. Uh, this just just felt, but Batman's already a dark, a dark character. character. I know. So when you put someone that
3: is just all about shadows, you it's know. just like I can't see anything. <laughs> I can't see anything. Uh, no, a
0: mixed bag. All right. Yeah, a mixed
3: bag. Uh, and then last here, I have Prodigy number six. Uh, I know I have just gone on about this book a You've couple times. I love this book, man, and it ends its arc, uh, and it was awesome. It's just a fun Indiana Jones
1: what type adventure. Is that the Mark Miller book? Yeah. Okay.
3: That's yeah. Why, that's why and I it's just fun. So it ends here. This is like you can actually read all the six issues and it's just one adventure in a title. All right. So yeah, that's it in
0: comics. Anything else? No, no. What is a sonata thing you're having?
3: Well, it wasn't that it wasn't like that important. <laughs> you
2: take Silver Surfer Black out and you put that book in.
3: So Silver Surfer Black's a great comic. Go read it.
2: I cut that one too, by the way. Thank you very much,
3: because nothing really happened in it. And it's, it's true. true. Yeah, it's, it's kind I you are trying unexpected. to cut time and Kofi was like, no, no, no. I
0: know. You wrote something, make sure time. you own it. I kind of keep it honest with the people. <laughs> I was trying to I cut keep time keep it, it with, with the people. But then you, you call me out in the show blast. Can't hide in these shoes. Jesus. All right. <laughs> I know you have reason to leave after that, but stay tuned, because when we come back, we are going to talk about the two new films dropping in theaters this week, Shaft and Men in Black International.
2: Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Wait. Visit hello slash sale. That's hello slash sale. And book your free consult today.
0: All right, so I'm gonna take shaft first because I uh, they sent me out to see this. I don't know why they sent me, but like I'm just kidding. I went out to see it because I <laughs> it. because I love shaft. Because Shaft's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Shaft is one of those characters that got me into exploitation. People who a... listen to
2: this have no idea, Kofi.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. That's the kind of joy of it. I know who I am, Jay. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, basically, like, it got me into exploitation uh, films when I was, like, a very impressionable age as a teenager. And um, Shaft and Superfly were, like, the two that, of course, I jumped into before, like, the Mac and a bunch of other stuff. But Shaft was always, like, the cool black James Bond for us who, if you didn't, I mean, I also watched James Bond, but it was cool to have a black James Bond. They even make a really great joke about that in this movie. Um, They make it in the trailers too. Yeah. 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 So basically I'm sure if you've seen the shaft trailers, you've seen the joke about, you know, Samuel L. Jackson saying, if that dude, James Bond was real, he would think he was me. So um, shaft is basically at this point with this installment from Tim story, who did barbershop and fantastic Four, the original movies and all that stuff. Uh, This Shaft just kind of doesn't take itself seriously. It's kind of like a self-parody in the sense that it's a comedy movie mostly. Almost, It's an action comedy, but mostly heavily on the comedy. And it's about Samuel L. Jackson's Shaft, who was introduced in the 2001 as the nephew of uh, Richard Roundtree, the original Shaft. Um, So this one is even like 19 years later. He had a kid with Regina Hall, who he became estranged from, which is the whole point of the story about how he kind of got estranged from his kid and his family um but when something happens to the younger shafts one of his friends he realizes he's in the middle of a case in in harlem and try in new york trying to investigate that he because he grew up his mom didn't want him to be like his dad so he's more he becomes an fbi data analyst and he's kind of a nerd millennial he has like a lemon tower in his kitchen and stuff which is like a whole gag and conversation in the movie but he's just kind of the opposite of old school shaft and so He has to go and kind of make contact with his dad, and they got to hook up and become this odd pair buddy cop thing going on and try to solve this case. And like I said, what's great about Shaft is that it doesn't take itself seriously. It's self-parody. It's just basically an excuse for Samuel L. Jackson to get back into a character he can just kind of walk into – and riff on how much he hates like millennial kids and stuff like that <laughs> is basically what it's. This, Shamiel
1: Jackson's Get Off My Lawn movie,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly that's, what it sounds like, except they make it really funny and enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and the kid who plays his son, uh, I'm blanking Brandon, on
1: Brandon T. Usher,
0: yeah, Brandon T. Usher is really good about kind of knowing his role and being this kind of new age dude, but not like being a stereotype, like he's not just a complete, you know, coward and stuff. Like, he part of the movie is just him. Realizing just how much shaft, you know, pun intended, is in him, like, and kind of finding his own, yes. I'm not saying that, pun intended, as a nasty joke on the podcast, Charlie. This is a joke that's made over and over again in the movie.
1: Oh, I believe it 100%. Yeah. It's on the poster, yeah. isn't it? Like, Yeah, I mean,
0: that's, like, the that, whole thing, yeah. as I say, is, like, you know, there's a club scene where old Shaft takes young Shaft out, and he's like, this is my son and Junior. And, you're like, and the two girls' instant response is, nothing Junior about this, Shaft. Like, that's <laughs> – this is what this movie is. So you have to understand going in, like, when I say this is self-parody and, like, a comedy, I mean it. Like, yeah, all it the way. is just – Every lowbrow shaft penis joke you can think of, sex joke, you know. Oh man, there's a thing with like they do something really gross with just like Samuel L. Jackson's beard being covered in glitter and a female character. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just like that. And it's really enjoyable. It's very pulpy, kind of, you know, pulpy crime, noir, spoof comedy. And it really works. It's very enjoyable just to see you know Brandon T Usher Samuel Jackson and eventually Richard Roundtree also get in on the action and uh, thankfully, they do away with one of the dumbest things from the series, which is they just finally say, like, Richard Roundtree, he was like, there's, like, a line where he's this talking to Samuel that. Jackson, and he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, he pops up or something or something. He's like, well, now that you're not pretending to be my uncle anymore or something like that. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> which is still so crazy to me because, like, you look at those two characters. They play father and son. Richard Roundtree looks super old. He's out of shape. He's got, like, a gray hair and gray beard. And Samuel Jackson's, like, the action star of the movie. They're, like... Six years apart in age.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, I will say it's there are some so shots crazy. where you can tell Samuel Jackson is still trying to wear like tight pants and leather in this. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely looking a little bit older. Yeah, but he looks great off. for like 70. Yeah. Yeah. It that it blows my mind. Yeah, but it just it is funny. And the three of them, the final the final action sequence is great with the three of them. Um the ladies are great in it too. Uh Regina Hall is in it and she's from Scary Movies. She's really hilarious, playing uh Brandon T. Usher's mother and Alexandra Shipp, who plays Storm in the X-Men movies, Mm -hmm. is in this, and she's kind of like Brandon T. T. Usher's friend and love interest, and she's really great in this, and they do a lot of things with the female characters to make them, you know, to kind of reflect New Age and how they don't, like, take crap anymore, like, and it's just kind of, it's really good. So it's a fun time if you're, like, a Shaft fan and you love the old ones, and you, especially if you love the 2001, you're going to like this one. So check that out.
1: I'm still waiting for the Michael Sarah Shaft movie.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Wow, Phil! Twitter wants it to happen. So, moving (laughs) right along, we're going to finish up today with our breakdown and review of Men in Black International. Uh, Charlie and I saw this movie, but uh, Charlie stepped in and reviewed it for us. So, I'm going to let him go out on this hill first and take the initial gunfire. I don't (laughs) know if it's like it's not very good
1: i'll just i'll just go out and say it up front like it's it's a new version of men in black you you have tessa thompson and chris hemsworth taking over for uh, will smith and Tommy Lee jones and they're kind of taking the adventure to different places all over the world they're kind of starting in london there's this mystery and they kind of go around the globe trying to find this weapon and trying to uncover this secret in the men in black london organization um and it's directed by f gary gray who you know, I love Barry Sonnenfeld for his work that he directed the first three Men in Black movies. But like F Gary Gray is a fantastic director, and I will always like, okay, of course F Gary Gray is a better a better filmmaker. And there's a lot to get excited about going into that. Kumail Nanjiani is the voice of of the main alien Bonnie. character. It's great. There's so many things to love about this, but none of them really work out, um, which is really really disappointing. Yeah, Hemsworth and Thompson are great together in Thor and in Avengers and they're good together here and they both give good performances, but the characters are like completely hollow and really boring. Um they don't have at the beginning, Tessa Thompson's character is really interesting and then they just kind of like go away from it to make some like love story jokes that don't ever really land. Um Camille Johnny remains funny the whole time. Pawnee is like the best part of the movie. Um but it, it Kofi and I talked a lot of after the movie about why this movie didn't work. Part of it is not having Will Smith, like the ability to have somebody who can be completely bewildered and lost, but also so confident yeah. and exciting at the same time. Um, you know, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Each of their characters were like a half of what. If you yeah. if you put their characters together, you got Will Smith's character, Agent Yeah, and uh, the bigger thing was was moving it around the globe. Like so much was lost in that. There's so yeah. much charm in the original Men in Black because it's in New York City and there's an alien working. You know, the tabloid newsstand and like. There, there are people under the subways and things that we all know and are used to seeing became extraordinary. There's a whole world underneath the streets and underneath what we thought we knew. Yeah. And that made it so charming yeah. and fun, the simplicity was like, of that. Yeah,
0: the whole thing about that, just taking the baton, is like, yeah, that's what makes MIB work as the characters and the movies themselves. They're a secret organization that hides in plain kind of sight. They're just dudes in suits that look like every other dude in suits, and the world that we think we know, like you said, isn't the world we know because there's this whole other world of right. alien, you know, human harmony living going on right in front of us every day, and that was kind of the whole hook of that series and what made it great and made it feel like you something as fantastical as aliens everywhere were very grounded because the aliens were, like, in New York at these familiar locales, and they themselves became kind of like New yeah. Yorkers and, in And
1: they like, weren't, like, big spectacles. Like, one was just a talking dog. The most memorable yeah. alien from the whole Frank. franchise is a <laughs> Frank the Pug, you know? And then no matter what they do, you know, no matter how long uh, uh, Jay's been in the organization, Will Smith can still act surprised by the things he finds. Yeah. And that uh, kind of pairing together and the grumpy Tommy Lee Jones, like, it just worked really well. And, uh, and this didn't have any Yeah,
0: of those and it's weird because I feel like this movie is one that somehow manages to not be the sum of all of its parts, even though all the parts are good. Right. Like, F. Gary Gray is arguably a better director for a blockbuster than Barry Sonnenfeld is. Right. You have Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth who are both, like, red hot, and at the top of their game, in terms of, like, comedic stuff, and have a relationship with each other, and chemistry with each other, to be able to riff with each other and kind of act with one another after Thor, and you would think... You know, bigger budget, bigger scope. Like there would be more interesting ideas at work in here, and it's just not. It's it, just it, was, like, it was
1: void of interesting it's like, things. I'm theory. supposed
0: to be impressed by a thing, a set, like a little location tag that says Marrakesh, and even though something just boring and generic happens, like a generic chase scene, and not notice because look at this exotic locale, aliens, and like, and aren't you amazed? And it's like, no, not really. But,
1: nothing, it's like nothing ever felt real.
0: Yeah, like even
1: in the streets of London, there, at the very beginning of the movie, there's these aliens come <laughs> to take uh, the weapon from the alien that they're working with, and there's like this shootout in this street of this empty street in London, and, and it feels like a set. It piece. Just it looks like a set piece. It's like this doesn't feel real, even though it's in a real place. It's like somebody it just somebody put fabricated. that
0: debris up there really nicely. Like the the I like yeah. the way the glue is holding. Like yeah, yeah.
1: Everything in New York felt. True to New York.
0: Yeah, and it felt like Universal Studios. It felt like you were at Universal Studios Mm. like on a Men in Black ride, basically. Yeah. And that's not the way it should be. I wish they had just taken more time to, like, yeah, focus on one location. Call it Men in Black International. Just keep it in London. And just, like, explore. London's such an interesting city with all of its history and all the things that are physically in that city. Like, explore catacombs or things like that or other things that are, like, all aliened out. And... Yeah, I think the biggest crime is at least Sonnenfeld has a lot of imagination. He packed, like, every shot with stuff. If you weren't watching the main Men in Black stuff, you could look around a shot and see cool little Easter eggs of, like, aliens doing this, that, or the other, or designs. And this is kind of, like, bereft of all of that. It's Mm -hmm. just so every shot is not interesting. They don't, like, fit little cool things in there. And it's just kind of uh, ultimately boring. And, so and they try to throw like three twists at you, and they're like all so painfully yeah. predictable that when they start to get set up at the very beginning of the movie, you're like, "So that's a twist. It's coming yeah. back later." And sure enough, and it's just all predictable.
1: Yeah, it, it's there are fun things to there are fun moments to be had. I mean, Pawnee, like I said, is is really funny. There's some cool, a good some good fight scenes from F Gary Gray. He directed a couple fight scenes really well, but. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty forgettable.
0: Yeah, well. I mean, if you wait for this one on home video or on HBO, you're not, you're not wrong in yep. your thinking. I don't think the franchise is dead, I will say that. I feel like this is the Fast and Furious of the Men in Black franchise. The, 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 the
1: fourth movie. Yeah, the fourth yeah.
0: movie in the sense that it's kind of like a reboot, and the reboot itself is not very interesting, but it does open the door to possibly more interesting things. Yeah, if if they can
1: somehow get Will Smith to agree to do one, and you have these new characters with Will Smith and potentially with Tommy Lee Jones. You've got something really great with the, yeah. the talent that's on the screen. Yeah, if he were to come back and do one, because
0: uh, it's not a spoiler to say where it sets up it, is, it sets them up so that you know the New York Men in Black, the London Men in Black, all that that connection is still going to be there. And like, yeah, if you threw Will Smith back into the next one, like, yeah, you would you would give this a shot of fuel that it needs. So mm-hmm. it's not dead because yeah. like like I said, the parts are all good but yeah. just somehow the sum of them is just not
1: yeah i would clarify creatively it's, it is not dead no financially we we don't we don't, we know. don't know yet yeah, it, the I international in the title really is going is telling of, of what the yeah, box office is going to be yeah what kind of money the international mean? market's going to have to save this one i think
0: so i think we can wrap it up we won't beat up on uh, men in black too hard i mean it's a pretty straightforward case but uh, you can read charlie's full review on comicbook.com or watch it uh, by the time you hear this it'll be up so choose wisely this weekend, going to the theater, my droogies. All right, so <laughs> moving right along. If you are just getting into this Comic Book Nation journey, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. We have an RSS feed there. You can subscribe to the show. You can subscribe on a bunch of your favorite listening platforms, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Playlists, Google Podcast, and you can tell any Amazon Alexa device, to play comic book nation podcast and we'll fire up for you. We also appreciate you guys leaving some good reviews on these venues. If we find uh, five-star reviews from you, we read them on the show periodically, and we send you some comic book swag. And I am happy to announce, as Jim Viscardi holds it up proudly, we now have official Comic Book Nation t-shirts. Boom! Not just ComicBook.com t-shirts, but Comic Book Nation t-shirts so that you guys, you true fans, can go out there and represent in the fully correct way. Uh, For the show. And to kind of kick off this milestone, we're going to read a couple reviews and send some people some of these nice new t-shirts. So uh, we're going to read one called Worth It from Jeremy from AR. And (laughs) Jeremy said, I went on a cruise and mostly watched Cartoon Network the entire time. I'm 31 years old. Good detail. Because it was the best thing (laughs) on. Thank you, Adult Swim. I found this podcast trying to research who the 16 Titan would be Uh, because the network spammed it. I really like the host and, of course, love the movie series they talk about. I feel like I gain useful information listening and added it to my list of 21 other podcasts I keep up with each week. My job is easy, so I just listen all day. Thanks. No, thank you, Jeremy. Very much. And if you hear this, let us know. Hit us up so we can get you a comic book t-shirt. For realsies. Uh, Come for the nerds, stay for the nerds by Kenny Plus Music. It's awesome to have a condensed spot for all my fandoms to be discussed. Between this and a wild podcast has appeared. I'm up to date each week on everything happening in my nerd life. Thanks for being my go-to source. That's a shout-out to our sister podcast, a wild podcast has appeared, which is a Pokemon podcast, so if you're a Pokemon fan, be sure you are also subscribing to that one, because as you can see, it's getting some love. And Awesome PC by A. Herbert. I think that means podcast? Yes, podcast. Awesome podcast. <laughs> Makes By sense. By A. Yeah. Herbert. Love this show. The Outlaw brings amazing insight and perspective. Clean and fun. Give it a Not listen. Outlaw. Are you the outlaw now? Is that what we have to call you? I, I don't claim to be. I don't know. Uh, I'm just a guy. I'm just <laughs> know a guy. No, my father is the outlaw. Podcasts. So... Those are three reviews we like to thank you for. If you guys want to continue the conversation with us, hit us up at the hashtag Nation. And also, if you heard your review read, hit us up there and let us know where we can send your T-shirt. We need your size and we need your address. If you want to hit us up individually, you can always find me on Twitter at KofiOutlaw. You can hit me up at Matt Aguilar, CB, And I'm at Charlie Ridgling. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you guys for riding with us. 40 episodes strong, and here's to 40 more. We'll see you guys next time. We're out. Deuces.